If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, we're finishing 1 Corinthians today. Uh, we've been here for about eight weeks, and uh, uh, hopefully it's been a good season for you. Uh, we've talked about Corinth and Paul planning a church in the worst city of the world. We, we've looked at their questions related to authority and, and unity and divisions and Uh, We've listened to Paul speak values into them and and to talk to them about Christian freedom and responsibility. Uh, We've looked at the agape feast and talked about bodybuilding. We heard last week all about the resurrection. You know, Paul spends 58 verses at the very end of his letter to say, this is the most important thing. And all of this letter is wrapped up in this theme of belonging. He says, the church, this place, this thing that God is doing is a place for you. It's a place of belonging, and you belong here. In chapter 16, Paul is really wrapping things up in his letter to Corinth. Some pretty ordinary, normal, concluding remarks. He, he tells them of future travel plans. He, he gives some instructions to those that are becoming after him, to Timothy and Apollos, He commends and appreciates believers and their lives of faithfulness. He gives some final greetings. We'll read it together in verse 19 through 24, the very last words of the Corinthians. Stephen's going to put it on the screen. There it is. He says, the church is here in the province of Asia, send greetings in the Lord as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with the holy kiss. It's a good tradition. We should bring it back. Um, He says, I'm actually writing this in my own hand, and he signs his own name. And then he says, if anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. And then he uses the, uh, I think it's uh, the word Maranatha, which is this great calling of God to come. He wraps everything up by calling God to return. He says, Maranatha, may our Lord come and then as he, as he began, he ends his letter wrapping everything in this ribbon of grace. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. A beautiful ending to this letter. But right before this ending, he addresses one more question that Corinth has. He's been corresponding back and forth. They've sent him questions and he's responding. And if you look at the very beginning of chapter 16 and verses one and two, kind of the last thing, he saves it to the very end because I don't want to talk about it. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, about the collection, he said, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you've earned and don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Yes, it's time for the money teaching. Are you ready for this? All right, I've got a couple of cartoons to get you in the, in the mood for this. Go ahead, Stephen, show that first one. There it is. Everyone is laughing. That's, that's doing an amazing joke. All right, show one more. There it is, Groupon for the tithe. So at Aspen Grove, uh, um, okay, two of you got it, nice. I'll take that, on Tithing Sunday, man, I'll take that. Um, 
At Aspen Grove, uh, we have these amazing things called uh, tithing boxes. Some places call them joy boxes or giving boxes. Um, When I was a kid, how many of you grew up with the plate that came in front of you? Was it the gold plate or like the the like nickel the nickel one? Like it wasn't real unless it was the gold one. I'm just saying, you're you're out of the kingdom. Um, at the very end of Paul's letter to Corinth, he talks about money. He talks about the collection. He brings up this idea, and it's an incredibly important theme in Paul's letters, especially in Second Corinthians. And it raises the question for us of what is the collection? What does it mean? What, are, what does this box mean? And, and what is Paul's teaching on giving and generosity? In different letters and speeches, Paul uses no fewer than nine different words to talk about the offering, the tithe, the collection. Go ahead and show that up there, Stephen. Nine different words to talk about this box and its purpose and why we have it in the church and what it means. So overwhelmingly, I think our kind of attitudes towards money or giving are pretty like, I don't like it, I don't want to, right? It's a pretty simple idea. But for Paul, this this is a very complex idea filled with all kinds of nuances. The fact that it takes nine different words, at, at, at times, nine times, he talks about this giving, this collection in a different way. So today, we're going to look at these nine words for the collection. Um, and and uh, I am not a Greek scholar by any means. We've got a couple in here. AC is a good Greek scholar. Uh, Brooke is, Brooke is going to correct me too. Um, but I want to talk about these nine words and how they relate to the collection, uh, and I'm going to try to put these up here to help you. The very first word is diakonia. See, I don't know how to say it either. I know, just, you don't know, so just assume it's right. Diakonia is the practical Christian service. It, it means ministry. And when Paul talks about the collection, he talks about it in this sense of ministry, of uh, diakonia means giving help or assistance. It means to put to work in a practical way. It's a word kindred to another church word maybe you've heard of. The word is deacon. You know that word. Deacon is a servant. A deacon is someone who meets the needs of others, often in in kind of ignorance ignorable or lowly task kind of way, almost in the kind of the mundane household task kind of way, like, like the people who clean up our cafe after our worship is done or set things out. The deacon just kind of sees things and is aware of what needs need to, need to be fulfilled. It's uh, oftentimes this word of, of, of ministry or diakonia, like, like oftentimes this is a, a not super generous, but, but it's almost like, like a, a duty, right? It's the duty of, of work. It's not necessarily the most delightful thing to do, right? We sometimes, when we talk about spiritual gifts, and we want you to know your spiritual gift and find it, like no one has ever said, my spiritual gift is cleaning up spilled coffee, right? But it's still a duty, right? It's part of what needs to be done, And it says, like, I know we'll talk some more about this, but God loves a cheerful giver, but 
there is a duty to our giving at the same time. Does that make sense? It's a part of being in a ministry together. And for members of Aspen Grove, like so many of you arrive early and stay late, right? Our worship team is always here at least two hours early. Do you guys know that? Our volunteers in our children's ministry always come early. Right now, there's some, some volunteer wiping a kid's dirty butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's the duty of giving. Liter- oh, man, I just said it. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Some of you didn't catch it. What I love about this word is, um, and, and the people that I love to stand beside are the ones that see the need and just meet it. Like this word is tied to that, to that kind of awareness of, hey, I'm a part of something. I see, what, I see something that needs to be done. And they don't run to somebody else to do it or handle it. They don't send an angry email. They see a need that needs to be done and they just do it. And Paul says, hey, this is a part of this whole thing. This, this is what this box means. This box also, uh, another word that he uses is uh, uh, logio. And it just means irregular or, or extra. So this is the opposite of what has to be paid, right? This is not a tax. It's just an extra piece of giving. It's, it's not an obligation to give in any way. It's the part that comes beyond that. Are you with me? He says, when you collect an offer, there's a part of this that is logia. It's extra, And I love that this happens in our church. Um, This kind of giving you almost never see, right? I can tell you, uh, I could tell you a hundred times that somebody at our church had a need or had something going on. And before they even make it to the doors of the worship center, that need is covered by others here. This This is the tap on the shoulder need that shows up sometimes, And it happens here at Aspen Grove all the time. It's not their tithe, it's just something extra. When someone needs help or assistance, it's seldom public, but it's just a way of covering the needs and wants. Um, One of the ways this happened last year was uh, there were some needs that came from the Hacienda of Hope in Ecuador, a ministry that we've been a part of. They sent us some needs. Those needs never even made it to the stage. We never made an announcement or a pronouncement. They just came up in the circle of the church and they were handled before it ever even got here. It was extra. Another word is a word that uh, when he talks about the collection is a word that's, that's really a kind of an aid. Has anybody ever bought the newspaper on the corners? Anybody carry blessing bags in your car to give to the homeless or the needy on the side of the road? Like that's what this word means. He said, he said sometimes this box is, this giving is, is about aid. It's about giving to the poor. It's generosity to the needy. 
It's, it's maybe you've carted food to the coffee house at the Nashville Rex, Rescue Mission, or, or maybe you've been a part of us buying backpacks or filling backpacks for GraceWorks. Pretty soon, coming this December, we'll be a part of GraceWorks Manger, where we'll buy gifts for families there, right? Like, like it's about giving aid and being awareness of the need of aid of others. And, and in Scripture, this is really a sign of a righteous life, like this awareness of the needs of others and, and the willingness to kind of move into those needs in tangible ways. Uh, I love what uh, Paul quotes Psalm 112, 9 uh, in 2 Corinthians. Put that scripture up there, Stephen. I think it's the next one. He says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. But this box has another word to it. It's this word that means uh, a, a sacrifice. Prosphora is an offering or a sacrifice. It reminded me of a startling scene about giving that uh, both Mark and Luke record about Jesus. Put that up there uh, in chapter 12 of Mark. There's this story. Like this is a sobering, startling story. It says that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Okay, there's a lot to process there already, right? First, you see that the collection is not this thing done in private where nobody sees and nobody knows what's given, right? Like this is an incredibly public act of worship. And who holds you accountable in this system? Like if everything is given inside, I mean, we want to respect your privacy, whatever, but as long as everybody gives in private, see, what, what happens? You lose all accountability. And in this scene, at least in this scene, who is the one that's watching every person give their money? Like, how would that make you feel? Right? You show up with your, with your offering and Jesus is standing over the box watching. So like there's a sobering kind of idea that happens to us. He goes on to, he says, all right, but, but some of the rich people take advantage of it. Like they take it too far. In fact, many rich people put in large amounts. And, and this kind of that large amounts is this idea like Scrooge McDuck dragging a bag full of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's heavy. They're like, they can't lift. You know, you see them making this like, you know, it's, it's weighty. You know, it makes a thud when they put it down how impressive this is. Then he says, a poor widow comes and she drops in two small coins. These coins are like 1 64th of a day's wage. And the, and the language in Greek is that they're light. Like, like they're, if you threw it up, it would just float up. Like, you know, the pure contrast to the weight of what the rich did. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Like, do you see that? Do you feel the weight of this teaching from Jesus? Jesus said she gave more than the disciples like, no, 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 no. She didn't give more. Didn't you see how much everybody else gave? 
But what is Jesus paying attention to? Like, like there's strong hints that this box means far more than just a box, right? That our offering, like it points to something far deeper, far, far more intimate inside of us. Do you get that sense? That Jesus is paying attention not to the weight, but to some intention behind it. And Jesus praises her. Her, her gift was light as a feather, but her gift was a sacrifice. It was costly. Another word that is used is um, eulogia. It means bounty or generous gift or a willing gift. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, it says, so I thought I should send these, Paul is talking to the Corinthians again. He says, I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want it to be a eulogia, a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. This willing gift is, is like a praise or a blessing. Like it, it's almost, um, have you ever just paid somebody a compliment just because? Have you ever just spoken a word of, of encouragement or blessing over someone just because you had the opportunity to, right? Like it just, it just kind of rolls off your tongue. It, it, can be, it can be a tangible gift, but it can also just be a simple gift of speech. All true giving is a bounty which we are glad to give, a, a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Like some giving comes with duty, right? We talked about that, Right? And, and I don't deny that there is, a part of, there is a part of this box that is about obedience and being dutiful. But God loves a willing gift. Don't deny the obedient gift, but um, this, this willing gift is the example and teaching of God too. Finally, another word that you may be familiar with is the word, I feel bad about covering the cross, um, Charis. Charis in, in Greek, our Greek scholar, what does charis mean? Grace. Grace is about leaning towards uh, another, leaning into another's benefit. It says this box is about grace. It's a free gift, freely giving, not something extracted somehow, but something given overflowing love of that person's heart. Guys, have you ever given your wife a gift because you had to? Maybe don't answer that. No, just like, oh, so my wife's Amy, like, Amy, it's your birthday. I had to get you this gift. I hope you like it. <laughs> Amy, it's Mother's Day. I had to get you this gift. Right, like, uh, I mean, she'll take it, but like, I mean, like, is that really what she wants? Like the most extravagant, you could spend a ton of money on a have-to kind of gift, and it would never be as valuable as a true heart gift. Are you with me? The smallest gift with the biggest heart behind it can make all the difference in the world. And like one of the things where you talk about giving, you have to pay attention to the heart because what does God care about most? 
right? Like, I, I mean, I want you to be obedient and give, but like, what kind of gift are you really giving God? Is it just your duty? How, how do you think that makes him feel? God is always more concerned with the heart. And, and I love in this section of all this time that Paul talks about giving, like he never gives a flat rate. So everybody is always asking me, how much should we give? Is it 10%? Why well, tip my weight or 15%? You know, like, I don't know. Like, like, like Paul never gives a flat rate. He, he never says, this is how much you should give. He's, he just says, like, they should give uh, as their prosperity demands. He said that you should give as, as guided by your heart. Like, it seems crazy to try to quantify this in, in some dutiful way. Like, that's not how the heart works or operates, right? I'm going to give 10% of my heart today. That just feels weird. I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 4, talking about other churches, he says they, Paul says they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. You see, that's something different, right? There's, there's this whole grace, this heart overflowing behind it. Another word he uses is, um, make sure I got the right word. Yes, this is the right one. Another word you might be familiar with, koinonia. You know koinonia? Um, I love the definition of koinonia. It means circle of friends. Koinonia is is the opposite of attendance, right? If you're just looking to show up and just be anonymous and just attend, that's not koinonia. Koinonia is a circle of friends. It means that you're part of something greater. There's that, that in what you do in this box, there is an alliance and there is intimacy and there's singleness of purpose. It, it's, and the essence of koinonia or fellowship or the circle of friends, the essence of this circle is sharing. Right? How many people that you are truly friends with, if they have a need, you wouldn't try to meet it? Right? Imagine a family that didn't try to lean into the needs of each other. Like koinonia is this, hey, we are in this thing together. And in koinonia, the spirit of koinonia regards what we have, not as things to cling to, but as things to be shared with others. The question of koinonia is not what can I keep and hold for myself, but the question of koinonia is always about what can I give? And Paul says, this thing, this giving, this collection, this offering, this tithing is an act of community. Do you get that sense? I know sometimes we hide the boxes at the back. But he says, hey, this is, this is the essence of family. Let's keep going. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this next word, but it means Abundance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. He goes on just two verses later in verse, uh, verse 10. He says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. 
This is about giving in response to the abundance we have received from God. All right, so this is a really different idea of, of giving and generosity, right? This isn't about giving out of your surplus. This is giving because you're tapped into the surplus. Are you with me? Like this is an important theme in our world that's constantly stretched thin, constantly anxious, constantly overwhelmed. Whose supply are you working from? If you work from only your supply, you're always going to be wanting, right? It's never going to feel like enough. But if we can somehow shift ourselves, faithfully shift ourselves to operate out of the supply of God, guess what we've got? We've got a supply that is abundant. Is, is your supply, Luke, I don't care how rich you are, you're Bill Gates, your supply is not enough. It's nothing compared to what God supplies. Amen? He says, he says I've got this for you. If you will trust it and lean into it. And this giving is a response to the abundance we have received from God. Let me just ask, like, maybe the question for this word is, if you were given an abundance in this moment, what's your first thought of it? What's your thir- first thought of how you would use it? Would you serve only yourself, or would you immediately turn to, how can I use this abundance to bless God and his kingdom and his work? Like, that's what this digs into. We just have a couple more. You guys are doing so great. Um. This one is the word that comes, uh, uh, we would get the word liturgy from it. Liturgy is all about an act of worship. Um, but, but before it was ever an act of worship, it was always kind of a service to the state. This is almost like a, uh, like a local or city or, or political way. Like, like this word has a noble history about generous citizens who volunteered out of their own pockets to bear the expense of some enterprise on which the whole city was engaged. Does that make sense? It was like, hey, all the neighbors in the neighborhood get together and fund the repairs of the road in their own neighborhood, right? Um, it was about the community gathering together for some project, some greater task, some greater purpose that needed to be accomplished. Um, in the religious world, like, like we adopted, the church adopted this word and to be service of God, to talk about the bigger kingdom of God. In chapter 9, verse 12, in, in 2 Corinthians, I think I have that verse, Stephen. He says, like, there are two good things will result from the ministry of this box. He says, one is the needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their things to God. People will see what happens in this collection, and they will recognize that this is a part of something bigger will point to God. It's about paying attention and leaning into the need volunteers to, to help the household of God. It's, it's an honor and a duty to help. It's, it's an act of worship. It's giving so God receives the praise. Finally, I'll share one more word with you. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce it. Haplotus. I'll just maybe right there. Um often translated generosity, um, 
but like if you dig into the root of the word, it means unfolded. Like your hands are like this, clenched in a fist. This word generosity means unfolded. Means sim- simple, open. Sometimes it means pure or sincere. It's giving in free-handed manner from a sincere place without some other kind of motives. Does that make sense? Like this isn't giving so that I get something else. This is just this just happened. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it's fluid. It's 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 almost thoughtless. It, it, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just it just comes out of you. It happens without effort. It it feels natural and normal. The heart behind it is in a right place. Like this is the cheerful giver attitude, right? Like without even thinking about it. I love what it says in uh, chapter 9, verse 13. He says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers. He says, it'll be proof. He says, this, this is proof that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. I love that song that we just sang. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the name of Jesus. And Paul says, the proof is right here. Do you see that? He says this, like, like what happens in this is proof that the good news of Jesus Christ has taken root in you. You heard Peggy mention that uh, in just a couple of weeks, on October 27th, we'll have our family meeting as a church. So the way Aspen Grow operates is we make decisions about money together. Uh, in fact, next week, we're going to present a budget to members of the church. We want you to look at it. We want you to pray over it. We want you to, be, to know what's going on and, and what's happening with our budget. You're going you're gonna to hear more about our budgeting process. And well, what I, a little bit of what I want to tell you is that overwhelmingly, by almost every measure, this has been the best year in Aspen Grove's history. Praise God. Praise God. We've had an amazing, we had a mission Sunday, which we've never tried to do before. We had more than $14,000 come in. That, what's that word? Abundant word, right? Like that's exactly what happened that day. We prayed for the city by name. We've added to our staff. We've increased in numbers. We've added 12 new families this year. Praise God. And we've had the largest, most extensive, exhaustive budget yet. Woo! We are doing more than we ever have. We have every reason to be thankful. We have every reason to thank God for his continued provision. And, and um, I, I don't want any twinge of ungratefulness to come from me at all. But even as I look at everything God is doing in this place, my heart's desires for more. I recognize what God is doing and I'm so thankful for it. From, from the moment I got here, God has provided. And I think there's more for us still. 
And I don't think it's just for the name of Aspen Grove, but I think it's for the name of Jesus Christ. I think Christ's name, I think his mission to grow followers is is the heartbeat of this church and it's important and it's needed, yes, even in this community with a million churches. We are seeing more and more people come to Christ. And when you look at this box, I want you to see like all of this together ties into this, right? Like all of these things together move us and shake us and, and hopefully guide us. And, and I want you to know like our trustees do an amazing job. Talk about those deacons that do this kind of thankless job, man. Like, like they put so much in, like we scrutinize every single dollar we spend for the glory of God. We want every single dollar to grow followers of Jesus Christ. I refuse for us to take our foot off the gas of that purpose and mission for our church. And we are seeing it realized. So, as we wrap up today's teaching, I want to share one more cartoon with you. (laughs) Paul's final instructions and related to, to this, this idea, and, and hopefully today has expanded your idea of what this means. Hopefully you see it differently. Paul gives some final instructions in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what he says. He says, when you look at this, I want you to remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop, and you must each decide in your heart, how much to give. He says, I don't want you to give reluctantly or in response to some sort of pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so today, just as we wrap up our time, I'm gonna send you to a time of communion. And if you're new here, we have tables set up around the room. Want you to engage in the elements of Christ's death, his burial and his resurrection. We want you to enter into the life that he offers But as an act of our worship, I invite you not to deny the collection box either. This was an integral piece of this whole thing, not to somehow be glossed over or pushed to the side. And and maybe some of you are, are guests here today and you're thinking, every time I come here, they talk about giving. That's not true. But we also, we don't deny the truth of what God's word is. We don't deny the truth of our expectation, and our expectation is we want you to be generous. If you're a member of this church, we, we expect you to give as your heart compels you. And our commitment is that we'll use every dollar to the best of our ability to serve the purposes of God. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for its challenge. God, I pray that we are sowing generous seed. I've seen your work and I've seen your provision and we are so incredibly thankful, but God, we are also hungry for a harvest. So God, I pray that, that you would plant in us the, the seeds of generosity. I pray that, that all of these things that, that are on this box, God, would come to life in tangible ways in us. God, I pray that what happens in, in this offering, this collection, through this tithing would be a reflection of the real work that you are doing in our hearts. 
God, I pray that you would receive the praise. This isn't about Aspen Grove. This isn't even, this isn't about me or some teaching that I've done. Father God, this is about bringing glory to your name. Let everything that happens when we give and, and through our generosity bring glory and honor and praise to you because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, for us. Father God, we love you. Bless us as we enter into this time of communion. Pierce us deeply with your spirit. In your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen.